Hi, this is Jeff Kober, and we welcome you to Disney Insights. The Haunted Mansion is one of the most beloved attractions ever created for a Disney theme park. It has entertained millions since its original opening in 1969 at Disneyland and has been in one form or another in Magic Kingdom, Tokyo Disneyland, and Disneyland Paris. What makes this attraction work is the, the creative compromise that Disney Imagineers sought to put into it over the years. We talk about that compromise, rare among artists, and how one has to jump off the page if, it, if you are really going to create an experience as timeless as this one. Because it is beloved, a new Haunted Mansion film came into theaters. This has not been the blockbuster the studio hoped it would be. We'll spend a little bit of time conjecturing as to why this might be. Let's look at the Haunted Mansion and how creative compromise is not really, really that scary. We believe that you'll find takeaways for you and your organization as you go along. Be sure also to subscribe to this podcast and give us a rating or review or referral to others. We really appreciate it when you do so. Thank you so much. Also check DisneyInsights.com where we offer key points, photos, videos, links, and more. While there, please subscribe to Disney Insights where you can be notified of upcoming podcasts. Also check out our Facebook page, Disney Insights, and our YouTube page, of that same name. We've always got new videos and we appreciate new subscribers who have joined us at Disney Insights. Today's podcast is one that shares insights very similar to uh, my new book that celebrates 100 years of Disney magic. Um, and you may also, um, if you, you may have been on the Haunted Mansion at Walt Disney World, the one at Disneyland you should just know is similar, probably about 95, 98% so. But if you want to, when you go to DisneyInsights.com, you can check out um, the video to, or to our YouTube page, you check out a video of the original Haunted Mansion at Disneyland. Any rate, let's, uh, let's talk about, well, to, to really talk about the Haunted Mansion is to really go back to Walt and Roy. Walt Disney and his brother Roy O. Disney understood the importance of working together as brothers, even though at times they had major fallouts with each other. Roy knew that moving the organization forward required the same of everyone at Walt Disney Productions after Walt's death. Once, when two departments heads quarreled, Roy sent a telegram way back even before then, on December 29th of 1942, by overnight wire to two people who were arguing, declaring, quote, I don't see why you two can't work together. You are both working for the same company. None of us should have any pride of authorship of ideas, but give and take and work with each other amicably. Happy New Year. Those sentiments are the ones that Roy held for so many years, and so did his brother, Walt. Uh, Walt once noted, quote, everything here at Disneyland and at the studio is a team effort. And that was especially difficult since the studio was made up of artists with individual talents. Putting them together was not always easy. 
A defining point came after Walt passed away and while the organization was in the middle of creating the infamous Haunted Mansion. Anyone who studies the Disney organization in depth will find that the miracle of Disney animation is that it took so many creative, disparate artists and put them together to create a cohesive whole, one that no one gets to put their name on except for Disney. The same could be said of the Imagineers that made up what was then known as WED Enterprises, responsible for creating attractions, the requirements sought to bring in not only a wider range of creative expertise from all sorts of backgrounds, such as design, prop development, special effects, and interior design, but also combined the right brain talent with the left brain sensibility of engineers, draftsmen, and mechanics who had to make these buildings and animatronics and other things stand up and the attractions therein run in run day in and day out. Kim Irvine, as a child visiting the model shop where her mother worked, could see that in action. It was Yale Gracie who, as an illusioneer, sought to create a delivered seance in a crystal ball. In trying to out a new effect for the attraction, Kim's mother stood in as a model for the face of Madame Leota. At the hands of sculptor Blaine Gibson, a sort of death mask was made of her mother, ironically named uh, Leota Tombs. And it was animation legend Abba Iwerks and his son Don who utilized projection technology to bring Madame Leota to life. Of this, Kim Irvine remarked, quote, they had a camaraderie that was just incredible. I always hoped that I was going to be part of it as well. Still, Teamwork involves compromise, and that's a word many who have strong artistic or creative sensibilities don't like to yield to. Compromise, in the eyes of many, symbolizes giving up something really great for something much lesser. It can be thought of watering down of great ideas. To understand this, Imagineer Marty Sklar would often talk about two views of a blank sheet of paper. Quote, there are two ways to look at a blank sheet of paper. It can be the most frightening thing in the world because you have to make the first mark on it. Or it can be the greatest opportunity in the world because you get to make the first mark. You can let your imagination fly in any direction and create whole new worlds, end of quote. All of this is true. But additionally, there is another element to this. Even a blank sheet of paper with all its possibilities has limitations. You can't do anything outside the four boundaries of that page. So it is with designing attractions. Even Imagineers don't usually have unlimited budgets. Requisites like centering on a particular intellectual property or fitting it in side a specific physical space, or worse, having it all done by yesterday, are all boundaries to that blank sheet of paper. And for creative artists or brilliant engineers, those things can be frustrating. People like this often push back on limitations made of them. In one Imagineering book, the question is asked, quote, how many Imagineers does it take to change a light bulb? 
The answer, does it have to be a light bulb? There are examples of this that play out in the Haunted Mansion. For example, here is little space in, there's little space in the actual mansion home built in New Orleans Square. The same could be said, by the way, of Liberty Square and the mansion you see there at Magic Kingdom. At um, Disneyland, the railroad tracks are just behind that mansion building. In essence, to go off the page, a stretch room was brainstormed, to actually for efficiency's sake, that stretch room was really intended to create a way for guests to be lowered by a large elevator down to a basement level so they could walk through to the other side of the railroad berm and then board a ride vehicle that takes them to a warehouse out behind. That's where most of the ride attraction actually occurs. Mark Davis conceived the stretching portraits. For the stretch room, Claude Coates sought to counter the amusement of the portraits with a certain foreboding, one in the form of lightning and a hanging corpse. As noted in the Imagineering story, quote, that duality was in part a reflection for the dynamic between Imagineers Davis and Coates. Davis's drawings leaned toward the amusing, while Coates' creation were more intensely scary. From the start, this combination set the tone for the rest of the attraction. Creepiness with wit, spookiness with a wink. Other Imagineers brought their expertise and creativity to bear. Yale Gracie perfected the Pepper's Ghost effect made popular decades prior in vaudeville acts. It allowed the ghosts to appear and disappear in places like the ballroom. The effect is made possible by installing during construction large and long panes of glass between the guests and the ballroom. There, the images would be projected on the glass, but guests would never see the panes. I hope, I guess I should have um, given you an advance warning. We're going to talk a little bit about how these things take place. Anyway, any rate. That's how the Pepper's Ghost effect works because of these very large and long panes of glass that are, that are in between you and the ballroom as you go through that segment of the ride. Of course, uh, that was occurring until someone took a gun and shot a bullet through one of those panes of glass. It didn't shatter the pane, but it did result in a bullet hole right through destroying the effect. Imagineers struggled how to address this as removing the pane of glass um, and replacing it would require opening up the ceiling of the building and reinstalling a new pane, a solution costly in time, labor, and money. A brilliant off-the-page solution was to place a small spider and web over the hole. The solution fixed the problem at a fraction of the price. And yet, Walt's paradigm was, on this was, quote, there's really no secret about our approach, opening new doors and doing new things because we're curious and curiosity keeps leading us down new paths. We're always exploring and experimenting. We call it Imagineering, the blend of creative imagination and technical know-how, end of quote. 
This was one of Walt's key approaches to bringing exceptional people together to compromise and work on something, providing opportunities to do new things and push new boundaries. But make no mistakes, even when Walt asked someone to not worry so much about even the budget, there were still boundaries, even if there were new ones. These new boundaries, these boundaries became seemingly more defined in the absence of Walt Disney's passing. For instance, Raleigh Crumb was tasked at one point when Walt was alive to add what he thought should be in the Haunted Mansion. His take was in essence weird. And when Walt first saw it, he couldn't even make sense of it. Raleigh thought that his approach was dead until 7.30 the next morning as he walked in his office and found Walt sitting in his chair and wearing the same clothes from the day before when the presentation was given him. Quote, you son of, well, I won't say that part, but then Walt said, I couldn't sleep last night from all that weird stuff you showed me yesterday. Walt encouraged Rolly to press forward, identifying objects, props, and furnishings that might be collected as if it were a museum of the weird. At one point, Raleigh shared, quote, I put my hand on Walt's arm and said, did I go too far? Walt retorted, no, you go as far as you want. I'm the one to bring you back if it's necessary. The conversation continued and finally, Walt got up and went home to go to bed. There are many pieces related to Raleigh's weird creativity in the mansion, but it was never what Raleigh had hoped it would become. After Walt's death, Dick Irvine sent Raleigh to work on other projects at Disneyland. By then, other, several other artists had taken turns at creating some kind of Spook Alley-style experience. In time, there formed two frames of thought on the mansion. One group of Imagineers, led by Claude Coates, provided the sort of moody, dark experience. The other group, led largely by Mark Davis, took from his success with Pirates of the Caribbean and a redo on the Jungle Cruise to create a montage of funny experiences. Both groups went back and forth. It came down to scary versus silly. In the past, Walt would typically break such ties. Now they had to work it out alone. And unfortunately, well, at any rate, Leslie Iwerks, granddaughter and author of the Imagineering story, noted of Davis and Coates during the creation of Pirates of the Caribbean, quote, Davis's partnership with Coates was something of an odd couple pairing, since Coates was quiet and introspective, and Davis was outstanding and assertive. But it generated a dynamic blend of immersive detailed sets with a lively, expressive cast of audio animatronic actors. End of quote. Tony Baxter in Jason Sorrell's Haunted Mansion book explains that the compromise ended up creating a sort of th three-act play, one that enacted the creepiness of Claude Coates in the first third, the comedy of Davis' graveyard scenes in the third part, and a marriage of the two during the ballroom and the attic scenes. And all of that was sprinkled with a weird little bit of Raleigh Crump throughout. It probably wasn't as much as Raleigh really hoped. 
In fact, Raleigh probably saw it as an entire museum rather than just a few scenes or a few pieces here and there. But that is part of the creative compromise that ultimately went into the Haunted Mansion. Did it work? Well, when the Haunted Mansion finally opened at Disneyland, everyone lined up. Anticipation was huge. Crowds were enormous on that side of the park between the still fairly new Pirates of the Caribbean and the Haunted Mansion. Yet, guest reviews were somewhat mixed. Many baby boomers in their teenage years were looking for something much scarier. In the time, the attraction became not so much known for its fear factor, but for its attention to so much haunting detail. It is timeless because of its mix of creepy and funny. You know, again, I think I alluded in previous podcasts, the one that especially where we talked about the Hatbox Ghost just previously, um, I noted that I was there what seemed to be the opening summer. It may have been the summer of 1970 instead of 69 in looking at it because it was um, quite late in the summer by time um, Haunted Mansion opened that first summer. But I will tell you whether it was 69 or 70, the lines were long. I was too scared to go on it and my brother stood in line, but it took about three hours for them to get on the ride. But I also remember them getting off the ride. And I remember them asking, well, probably it was me asking, was it scary? And they go, no, nah, it wasn't that scary. It was okay, but it was not that scary. That hardly sounds like a, a, a testimony of that this is the best ride ever. But having been on the Haunted Mansion again and again now over 200 times easily in my lifetime, I will tell you that the gem that makes up the Haunted Mansion is the attention to all of those details. It's that mix of funny and scary. It is all of that coming together. Um, in, um, in a previous uh, situation, I actually tried to do a count of all of the 999 to see if we came up with that number. Um, no, you don't come close to that number, but you do come into the hundreds of props and animatronics and spirits and all sorts of effects that do, do create. And if you add, um, if you consider every ghostly ghoul on the wallpaper, uh, you add a couple of extra hundred, I think, in, in terms of the total number, but it's still not 999, but the hundreds that are there really do make you see something new every time. I remember it was about four or five months ago I was on it and I noticed maybe it was because the light in the ballroom kind of um, affected my my eyesight but there was a, a uh, painting at the end of the ballroom just before you went in the attic that I'd never seen hanging there before and it was one that had been there for many many years. Even I who have been on that attraction so many times can find something new every once in a while. That's the power of the Haunted Mansion. You know, the fact of the matter is the compromise made between Imagineers paid off because while there was still a moment or two of shriek, there's still plenty of details to be caught. 
along with pirates, perhaps Jungle Cruise or It's a Small World, these rides are signature attractions that are synonymous with Disneyland and other Magic Kingdom style parks, something that guests wanted to re-ride again and again. Perhaps that's why every major attraction at Disney goes through years of development before it opens to the public. From idea to opening day, there is a long process in creating a great guest experience. But few attractions have had a longer development period than the Haunted Mansion, which opened to guests in October of 1969. Even before Disneyland opened in 1955, there were ideas of an old weathered home at the end of one side of uh, side streets of Main Street USA at Disneyland. But it took many tries and many teams of individuals to fashion it into the mansion we know and love today. In the end, the creative compromise that was made on the attraction not only served to make it a better guest experience, but it has made the attraction both timeless and popular. Sometimes you have to use a little creative compromise. It can be interesting to see where other great ideas can be married to yours if you could do the following. First, avoid the obsession of being right in your view and others being wrong. See the good in all the ideas. Spend more time thinking about how to bring everyone's ideas to the table rather than making sure your ideas win out above others. Build trust not only in each other, but in the idea that the best ideas can prevail if you let them just simmer to the top. Those concepts, those ideas can help build creative compromise. Whether you're building an attraction at Disney or whether you are working in the medical field or you're dealing with the automotive industry or you're helping to support putting rockets up into space, whatever it may be, wherever it may be, a restaurant or a hotelier, wherever you are, you can always find opportunities for creative compromise. Now, in podcasts like these, we always offer souvenirs for you and your organization, free ones too. So consider these thoughts. How do we reach consensus or compromise as a team? Are we intentional in doing that? Um, what, is, um, what is the outcome when everybody comes together to create an idea? Can I obtain a greater outcome when we work it through until there is consensus or compromise? Do I lead for consensus? Where do we allow people to work past the borders of the page into ideas that could never be held on the page? These are all ideas that you can consider when you are working in your organization. Now, I should also mention that I had the opportunity to see recently The Haunted Mansion, the movie. Let me just take a couple of minutes to talk about that. Uh, curiously, the movie, for all its weaknesses, does present a team of people in the plot who individually bring all something, all bring something to the table, or in this case, to the mansion. Still, does the film work? Here are my thoughts. First, is there a need for a Haunted Mansion movie, much less a second one? 
The justification for this film is probably tied to the successful Pirates of the Caribbean franchise. But that story was and setting was much bigger than simply being held up in a French Quarter mansion. That said, there were many details that were tied from the attraction that were tied to the film. In fact, it was much more authentic to the mansion itself than the first one. Although the first film had some very detailed and impressive sets of its own accord. They did an interesting job of explaining both architecturally the different mansions. You have a different looking mansion at Disneyland than you do at Walt Disney World. In the film, and I won't give it away, you'll see why there are two different mansions. I thought they did a clever job of trying to create for that. The first film offered... Um, um, was was pretty good as well. Well, let me just say, I liked the first film and I liked the second film. Both were okay. Neither were great. I wanted to really, and by the way, well, I really wanted to care for the cast of this film. At times, looking back on it, I felt that they were just kind of dialing it in. And who outside of the mansion really cares about the film? In fact, by the way, I'm, again, a huge mansion fan. I, mean, I don't do a whole room in Haunted Mansion. But still, again, over 200 times in the mansion, I have taken business groups through the mansion so many times to talk about the the Disney standards of safety and courtesy and inclusion and show and efficiency. And yet I'm sitting here thinking, why do I care about this film? I certainly struggled to care about the characters and that, that becomes problematic. Having said all that, definitely check it out on Disney plus. If you're going to use your theater dollars, can I just suggest go see Indiana Jones and the dial of destiny. It hasn't done that well in the box office either. But I got to tell you, I was very impressed with that, with, that, um, with that film and worthy of seeing in on a big screen. You definitely want to check that one out. Well, thanks for joining us for this Disney Insights podcast. If you want more creative compromise in your organization, Know that this podcast is provided by myself and Performance Journeys, which celebrates its 20th year as a training and development group, bringing best in business ideas through books, keynotes, workshops, seminars, and online tools to help you take your organization to the next level. Oh, we talk about compromise in organizations where there are silos, where there are even, well, dysfunctional groups. We talk about what it means to come together, to work off the page and to create something better, even when you are in or having to try to compromise. If you want a keynote speaker, know that more than just nice stories, which I share of inspiring, wonderful stories, I offer proven insight and solutions, having worked in the trench with these kinds of organizations. If you need consulting, know that I've worked for decades across the public, private, and nonprofit arena. If you need support, well, we offer so many classroom online and other resources to help you improve your customer delivery. Contact us today 
and let us help you on your performance journey. Again, thank you for joining us for this uh, Disney Insights podcast. Wherever you go and whatever you do, always follow the compass of your heart. Have a great day. We will see you real soon.